You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, we want to welcome you to our 14th lesson in this Managing Our Life series. And as Christians, as born-again Christians, that's exactly what our day is spent doing turning off our old way of thinking and turning on our new way of thinking and it's every day all the time no matter how long you've been saved the old nature is still around anybody notice no matter how long you have been saved no matter how serious you are about the Lord that old flesh that old carnal nature that's why we have to manage our lives. We've got to take control of our thoughts, of our life. We've got to exert control over that. I want to just pick up right where we left off last week. We're looking at King David's life in the Old Testament, and we're seeing a lot of the things that he did right. We're going to look at some of the things that he did wrong and learn from that. How can we pick up ways that we can manage our life more effectively? effective, uh, uh, more be- easier. I mean, how can we get fruit, benefit from managing our life? Well, we can learn from folks. First Samuel chapter 17, we left off here and I want to get going right where we were. Read this for yourself. I, I, I just don't have time to read all of this. David's life, David's dad had pulled him off of the sheep duty and sent him to check out his brother's and how Israel's army was doing in battle. At that time, they didn't have Fox, they didn't have CNN giving them opposite, up-to-date, accurate information. I mean, we can depend on and know exactly what's happening like we can today. So they had to go and see for themselves the late breaking news. So he sends David to check on what's going on in battle. Verse 28 David's oldest brother was angry at David for coming. What are you doing out here? Who, what have you done with the sheep? How come you're not taking care of those sheep? And, you know, while I'm at it, we know the pride. We know the deceit in your heart. I mean, good grief, what did David do? He just comes out here to check on them, to bring them some roasted grain, bring them ten loaves of bread, and his brothers jump on him. Well, you've got to know that people's dealing with you. People's words to you are often have nothing to do with you. It's out of their own jealousy, out of their own insecurity, out of their own inferiority. They're going to start attacking you because they feel bad about themselves. They start attacking you because they're insecure. They're, they're jealous of you. And so you walk up, hey guys, how's it going? Wait a minute, what's happening here? You got to know that a lot of times this will even come from your own family. Your own family is not doing what you're doing. You have family members that are not going where you're going, and they will be upset with you. And out of their own problems in their own life comes a bunch of negative words to you that's very hurtful, and you got to know, this don't have nothing to do with me. They got issues in their own life and until their personal issues are straightened out I'm not going to take that on and we see David didn't take any of that on 
I mean, didn't that just roll off of him like water on a duck's back? Hey, guys, I came to check on you. And he just turns and goes right about what he was doing. Don't let misguided family derail you. Don't let that go in and be a hurt, be a dig, be a knot in your stomach. You can't let misguided family members derail you. And I want you to see this. That didn't upset David not even a little bit. David goes right on. When you're doing right, when you're doing what God has called you to be doing, others won't get it. They, they won't get it. Even when they're family. Terry and I just this very week had a dad come to us and say, I need to let you know, you probably already know this, we were very upset when our child decided to come to Leaders Academy. That's not where we wanted our child to go. That's not what we thought they needed to do. And we were upset about it. And I want to let you know that was the best decision they ever made turned their whole life around and I'm very grateful to you very grateful to you. you you just have to know now I'm not talking about whenever you are in rebellion to God and you've got a family member coming to you I'm not talking about that but when you're doing the right thing and you are answering God's call on your life write this down you need to know it you're going to have family members that dig at you and disagree with you and cause you all kind of problems. David did not need a therapist for rejection from his dad, rejection from his brothers. He just went on with what God had called him to do. Come on, we got to put our big boy panties on and follow God, and we can't just fall apart at every turn of criticism. Now, as we move on through this, the next key that I want us to see in managing our life is in verse 26. When David asks, and this is a key question. It really, it's not a question, it's a statement. When he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Hold on. Who? Now, look, just quickly a history. Remember, circumcision was an outward physical sign of being in covenant with God. So when David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What he is saying is, I don't have any worries about this giant because this giant is not in covenant with God and I am. Wait a minute. Fear is not in covenant with God. Hold on just a minute. Worry is not in covenant. What is this worry that's coming against me? This isn't in covenant. I'm in covenant with God, worry is not in covenant with God. See, David was identifying the fact that he was in covenant with God. Demonic attacks that come to you in the middle of the night, those are not in covenant with God, and you just stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. See, I, I'm, this thought I'm having right now is not in covenant with God. You get behind me, Satan. See, with David, boy, he spoke a mouthful. This is a massive lesson for us in life. When he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of God? See, David understood and his eyes were not on the size of the giant. His eyes were on the validity of his covenant with God. And when you lose the hold that you have 
in your covenant with God, then the giants will be very big in your life. But whenever you understand the covenant that you are in with God, what is this? Hold on, what I'm in covenant with God, no weapon formed against me is gonna prosper. See, it changes your outlook in life. This is a bad deal right here. I've just got a bad this or a bad that or this crisis has just happened in my life. Hold on, no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. I am in covenant with God. Boy, David taught us a lesson here. We move on, the next lesson that I wanna see is in verse 38. We read about Saul trying to put his armor on David. We read about Saul strapping his sword on David. David takes all of that off and he got his slingshot. In managing your life, you've got to learn to do what works for you. You have to learn to do what works for you. Saul's armor had served Saul very well and it fitted Saul perfectly. There is nothing wrong with someone else's armor it's just not yours to wear. And you've got to manage your life because there will always be somebody trying to tell you what you should do. And you've got to manage all of that. You, you, most often, it's someone who's not doing anything. And that's what I begin to notice in my life. Somebody, Saul is not here. Saul, you're the king. You go whip this giant. All of Israel's army is down in this foxhole scared. They're not doing anything. And now they're telling David what to do and how to go fight this giant. If you'll notice, people telling you what to do are the ones not doing anything. And you got to learn that right quick. You know, it's endless for me here. And it's endless for you in what you do. But I get this all the time. Pastor, we need translated. That means they want me to do. But I get all, Pastor, we need, we need. See, what we need in our church and outreach to the hungry. Well, there's a number of food banks in town. Go volunteer in one. See, Pastor, we need a jail ministry. Well, that's just great. Go get it. See, we need to have more help in the coffee shop. I look forward to seeing you there Sunday morning. Get with Macy and volunteer. See, there's an endless list of people not doing anything telling you what you need to do about the lights or about the sound or about my sermons. Here's what you need to preach. Well, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And it's always from people who aren't doing anything around here. And you see it in your own life. Make sure that you, you manage who's telling you what you need to do. Now, there is nothing wrong with Saul's suit. It's a great idea for him. There's nothing wrong with what they're telling me, but that's what God is putting on their heart to do. See, this is your armor, you wear it. This is your call, you do it. You see a need in the nursery, don't come and tell me we need more workers in the nursery. You go sign up. See, that has been put in your heart, but what we wanna do is put our suit on somebody else. It happens all the time. Two lessons here in this. Number one, don't put your call on somebody else. That's yours to do. 
You go do it. Don't put your call on somebody else that's yours to do. Number two, don't you take on somebody else's call that's theirs to do. Now, too often this happens. I mean, we, and I, we see it all the time. We look around here in church and boy, we see Josh and we see him working in youth ministry. We like Josh, we admire Josh, we respect Josh. He's got a great job, he's got a great family, Josh has got a great life. I'm gonna go into youth ministry. Except that doesn't fit you. No youth are drawn to you. I don't see any youth drawn to you. I don't see you doing anything with young people. But you look at somebody else's suit and that looks good on them, so I'm going to go and do that. Just because you admire Josh doesn't mean that you need to be in youth ministry. Just because Saul's suit looks really good doesn't mean that it fits you. Right? I mean, and we see this all the time. Kim and Dave Taylor right here in the real estate business, got a real estate company. Several of our young adults have gone to work for them and life is working great for them and they're blessed. Okay, I'll go do that. Except there's nothing about you that's a salesperson. Not anything. You're not good at math. You're not good at numbers. You're not good at selling. You know, there's a persona about salespeople because it's a gifting, it's a wiring. How they talk, how they think, how they wired, and you're not any of that. And so if you go into that, you will struggle your whole life. You'll beat your head against a wall your whole life. What's wrong? It ain't your suit. You're trying to wear Saul's suit and it doesn't fit you and you're gonna bang around your whole life because you're out of your element. You got, and that's why I'm talking about this, we have to manage our life according to our giftings. Saul's suit was beautiful, but David was deadly with a slingshot. About the fifth or sixth lesson, I can't remember exactly which one, in this series, we talked about evaluating your gifts, evaluating your abilities and doing that properly. This is key because if you don't manage your ability correctly, then you can't manage your life in such a way to get that ability where it will be a blessing to you and other people. So you gotta get your evaluation of your giftings correctly, then you begin to manage your life in a way that you position yourself to be very, very blessed in what you're good at doing. I wish I had hours to teach on these. And a matter of fact, I've preached countless messages on this, probably two or three different messages, and I'm gonna give you the cliff notes in the next few minutes. So write this down. Uh, you study yourself until I have time to do sometime on a Sunday morning a two-part series on eight characteristics of a giant killer. But I want you to know these, and I don't have time to teach these, so I'm gonna give them to you, and you can study this. There are eight characteristics of a giant killer. And I wanna look at these, and then enabling us to manage our life appropriately. Eight characteristics of a giant killer. Number one is in verse 12 through verse 19. Giant killers don't start off as giant killers. Doctors don't start off as doctors. Electricians don't start off as electricians. Mothers don't start off as mothers. 
husbands and wives don't start off as husbands and wives. David was a little boy tending sheep. Giant killers don't start off as giant killers. And you need to live your life knowing that. There are giants that you will kill in the future, but right now, here's what you're doing today. Giant killers don't start off as giant killers. And we give up, we throw in the towel, we quit because we're not ultimately doing what it is we want to do when you need to know nobody does. Nobody does that. Eight characteristics of a giant killer. Number one, giant killers don't start off as giant killers. Number two, verse 20 through verse 22, giant killers are faithful in small tasks along the way. Well, uh, we could teach on this for a whole session, a whole session. If you're faithful in a little, you're rulers over much. All of you interns, there is no point in you praying one day for a nice home. You can't turn off the one light that's in your room right now. You have one window, and it's open, and the air condition's on, and you got the floor heater on. You, you can't manage half of one little room. There's no sense in praying for a home one day. See, you, you, the car you're driving now looks like it's a trash dump. It's not clean. It's not picked up. Well, then why are you praying for a new car one day when you can't keep the car you're driving now clean and nice and washed and sharp? See, giant killers are faithful in the small task along the way. We don't do the small task because we so want to get the big task. You don't get the big task until you're faithful in the small task. And we've got to see this principle. The reason David became king, the reason God called him a man after his own heart, the reason he was a giant killer, the reason David did all these other things is he was faithful in taking care of a bunch of sheep out on the hill by himself. And when problems came, he handled it. When problems came, he dealt with it. When problems arose, he handled it, and he handled it then, and he handled it right. He was never late. He was always on time. When his dad said, go do this, yes, sir, I'll go and do that. See, giant killers are faithful in the small task along the way. And in, in this era that we're in in society, we want to start at the top. You don't build the 10th floor on a vacant lot. And we've got young people that are wanting to start their life out on the 10th floor. What you focus on is being faithful in the tasks that are set before you today. How is the car that you are now driving cared for? Where you are now living, is it clean? Is it picked up? Is it straight? Is it organized? Are the dishes clean in the sink? How are you handling the small task that you have today? If you're faithful in a little, then you become rulers over much. It's the way God works in life. Number three, verse 23 and 24. Many leaders rise to the top because those doing what they're supposed to be doing aren't doing it. Israel's Saul was the king. He led Israel's army into battle, except they weren't doing it. The fact that they weren't doing it is the opportunity for David to do it. Now, we are put off, nobody else is doing it, so I won't do it either. 
See, you, you rise to the top because you do things that others are unwilling to do. I read this years ago. Old man was sitting on a park bench and he was asked by a tourist, Sir, have any great men been born here? He said, Nope, just babies. And then he turned and said, great men aren't born, they rise above their obstacles along life's way. Wow, wow. No, great men aren't born. Great men aren't born, babies are born. Great people rise above the obstacles in their life and they don't let the obstacles defeat them, they step up, they step up, they step up over each obstacle. Number four, Verse 24 through 27. Giant killers are people who see reward for killing giants. David said, what is the reward for the guy that kills him? In life, you see rewards for killing those giants. I was just thinking the other day. Terry and I can be mad at each other, but we have seen the reward in not. We've seen the reward in getting along. See, Terry and I can get a divorce, but we have seen the reward in working out our problems, working through our difficulties, and staying together. And see, we see the reward in life. What you, what you do is, yes, this is an obstacle. Yes, this is a giant. Yes, this is a massive giant, but what's the reward for the guy that kills that thing? Here's the reward for that. Here's the reward. In your life, you live your life seeing the reward for defeating this giant. There's a reward if you'll whip pornography in your life. There's a reward if you'll whip alcohol out of your life. See, there's a reward if you'll whip drug addiction out of your life and you see the reward and that enables you to fight the fight. What giant is in your life right now? What giant is facing you right now? See the reward in winning. See the reward in whipping that thing. See the reward in overcoming that. What David saw was the reward that they talked about in verse 24 through 27. What's in this? What's in this? Here's what I'm telling you. There's great reward for doing what God's called you to do. There's great reward for you doing it the right way. And when you see that, it empowers you to do that. Verse 28 through 33 is number five. Giant killers don't listen to critics. I decided a long, long time ago I was never going to receive criticism from someone who was not doing anything. I'm not going to receive criticism from someone who's not doing half of what I'm doing. I'm not going to take on their criticism and I'm telling you it's been a long line of critics in my life telling me what I can't do. Most often, it would be from a very best friend. 
telling me how stupid that was. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. I'm telling you, there's been a long list of critics by staff members saying that won't work. We can't pull that off. We're not going to do that. No, no, don't do that. I've been told my life by family members that's dumb. You can't do that. See, and, and I just developed an attitude of catch you a seat across the road and watch. See, don't tell me I can't do something because I developed, an, I developed an attitude of, it's like throwing gas on the fire. Don't tell me I can't do it because you can watch me pull it off just because you said that. See, giant killers don't let criticism of others, oh, well, okay, uh, well, I guess I can't. Well, okay, well, maybe, okay, well, maybe, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. I, I, don't let critics back you off of what's in your heart to do. Y'all have heard me talk about this over the last number of years. It was a long list of people telling me we couldn't build an auditorium right here. For those that don't know it, this is on a swamp. And you cannot build a building in the middle of this swamp. Well, I didn't buy that because the whole state of Louisiana is built on a swamp. Every building and every hotel down there is built. Every highway is built on a swamp. So I knew, I don't know how to build on a swamp, but I know it can be done. Well, you can't build an auditorium on that piece of property. Well, here we are. Here we are. They didn't know and I didn't know that I was going to get a hold of the highway out here that was widening that road years ago when the first edition started and I started thinking in my mind as I'm driving up they got to have somewhere to dump thousands of loads of dirt and instead of me paying a hundred to hundred fifty dollars a load for thousands of load what I'm gonna do is offer them a deal of a lifetime I'm gonna let them dump it here for free and they went for it we had thousands of loads Thousands of loads that were dumped in here. And for years, they dumped and they dumped. And we just had a guy come through with a dozer and push it down. They dumped and we pushed it down. They dumped, and we built this whole area all the way from the gym over there, all the way past this building right over there. That gas line was nothing but a marshy swamp that's knee-deep in mud all the way over there. Thousands of loads in here. We got it all in here. We got it all leveled out. Well, you can't build on that because underneath that dirt is swamp. Okay, we find an engineer in Little Rock. He says, here's what you do. We'll dig a hole. We'll dig a hole all the way down. They came in here and dug holes deep, 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 and they encased them in tubes, pulled that tube out, laid it on a trailer, and took it to a lab in Little Rock, and they analyzed every foot of that dirt, and they came back and said, if you'll dig holes and they told us exactly how deep to dig them, we'll hit something solid that'll hold this building up. So that's what we did. We dug pillars all over this place, its fingers sticking down, full of rebar, six feet around. Some of them are 12, some of them are 20 feet deep, rebar full, and we poured those full of concrete and they're sticking up here. Then we poured the slab on top of this and this swamp under here, all of this dirt can wash out and fall off and this building still gonna be standing right here. See, you, 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 don't, 
There's always people telling you what you can't do in life. You either succumb to that or you find somebody that will tell you, here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. I wanted a stage that we could drive vehicles up on. I may want to drive my car up here and get out of it one day. I may be too old to walk up here to this podium. I want to drive my car up on this stage. Went to three different trust companies and they told me, well, you can't do that. I called my brother-in-law. I said, can I build a stage? And he started laughing. He goes, I'm building a parking deck right now. I'm parked 500 cars on your stage if you want me to. See, th there's somebody that knows how to do. Don't listen to critics in your life and be told you can't do this. Find somebody that will show you how to do this. Giant killers don't listen to critics. Number six, verse 32. Giant killers are not overwhelmed by challenges. We, we too easily get overwhelmed by how big our problems are. Come on, your attitude is, I'll win this. I'll win this. I'll win over this obstacle. I'll win over this challenge. This ain't no step for me. I've taken some big steps before. This ain't no big deal for me. See yourself winning don't see yourself losing. See, all of Israel's army, Saul, David's brothers, all of the army, they saw themselves losing to Goliath. David saw himself winning over Goliath. What you got to do is get a winning attitude about you. I'm in covenant with God. God's called me to do this. Get you a seat and watch me make this happen. See, you develop a winning attitude I'll win this. Oh, he's a big giant. Oh, I wouldn't do that. He's going to cut your head off and feed you to the dogs. <laughs> he's mistaken. Not only is he mistaken, I'm going to cut his head off with his own swords, what I'm fixing to do. See, you get an attitude about you. Giant killers are not overwhelmed by obstacles. Number seven, verse 34 through 40. Giant killers build on past successes. In David's mind, all he could think about is all the things he had already done. I've already killed the lion. I've already killed the bear. See, you, you get consumed with your past victories. Now, have I always won? No. I got some losses, but I think about my victories. I think about what I've done right. I think about what I can do. I think about the abilities I do have. See, giant killers build on past successes you don't let your obstacles overwhelm you. You build on past successes. Verse 41 through 49, number 8. Giant killers have a passion for God to be honored above everything else. See, David, two different places. David says, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And then he went a little further. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. See, giant killers are not in it for themselves. Giant killers are in it to have God glorified. Giant killers are in it to have the name of the Lord exalted and lifted up. 
Giant killers are in it to see God glorified. I want to build a successful business because I have a goal of being the biggest tither in this church. See, I want to build a successful business because I have a goal of one day writing a check and saying, let's get the school a new van to travel in. See, you've got a vision. You've got a vision for God to be glorified in what we're doing here. I've got a vision, and here's what I want to do. See, you want to amass money so you can be rich and everybody can see how rich you are, or you want to do this so that God can be glorified. David never mentions himself in this battle. He said, I'm going to do this so God will be glorified. Everybody here will know that God rescues his people. Watch this, and God is going to be honored. The name of the Lord is going to be honored. Giant killers are those that are able to overcome the obstacles in life. There's a lot here, and I've gone really, really fast, maybe too fast, but I hope you're taking some notes because these are key points for you to manage your own life. For all of us, there is no new temptation. The devil never comes up with anything new, and the same things that he used against David are the same things that he'll use against you each and every day of your life. It's the same devil, the same lies, and the same tricks. So what you learn to do is... I see what the devil does. I see the thought that comes. So now tomorrow when that thought comes to me, I'm going to turn that off. Tomorrow when that thought happens for me, I'm going to turn that off. I'm going to turn this thought on because I've already seen how that will work. I've already seen what effect that will have in my life. There's a lot here in this lesson. We've gone really, really fast. You may want to go back and listen to this several more times over and over again because I gave you a lot of key points in managing your life. Life is not easy. Life is not easy. And I want you to know the victorious life does not automatically happen. Winning doesn't automatically happen. The victorious life, killing giants, don't automatically happen for us. We have to learn day in and day out, really hour in and hour out to manage our lives. Y'all stand with me. Lord, tonight we're grateful to you that you've given us the ability to manage our life. You've given us the ability to take every thought captive. You've given us the ability to, to defeat giants in our life. Lord, tonight we roll up our sleeves and we get to whipping giants. We're not bowing down to giants. These uncircumcised giants of worry and fear and grief and stress, and we're not letting those wreck our lives because we see the reward in living above those. The Lord direct us and guide us as we manage our life. In Jesus' name, amen.